0: Good morning church family. Good morning. We have um, a number of people gone this morning at Collide Youth Retreat. Uh, Apparently they took their announcement video with them and didn't share it with us. It's all right, more time for me to preach today, right? Um, Well, I also want to welcome back our Grace students. Welcome back. It's so good to have you back after a five-week break that I hope was productive and restful. And we are in part two of our vision series called All In for Jesus as we kick off 2023. and want to make it the best year we possibly can. Before we jump back in our study of Matthew's gospel, next week we'll be back in Matthew next week. But let's see what God has, us, has for us today as we work on uh, making 2023 the best year we possibly can. We're going to look at scripture and see Uh, lots of God's ways forward to do that. This is a very practical message, and I I look forward to these every year uh, as we all try to make the most of the opportunities that God has given us and and be the best stewards with everything he's given us. They say that many of today's modern churches are concerned only with the ABCs of church, that is, attendance, buildings, and cash. And that's true. Many churches are consumed with these. They do take a lot of time and effort, I'll tell you. Now, and we want our attendance to grow because by God's created order, healthy things grow. So attendance is great. Buildings, we are so blessed with this campus. And I wanna thank the trustees and everybody who pitches in to, to keep this place running, maintained and updated. This is a great facility that's housed ministry for many, many years and will in the future. Cash, you gotta have cash to get the gospel out, to meet people's needs. All these things, they have this home base. Okay, but what it's really about is not the ABCs, but more the DEF. The DEF is discipleship, evangelism, and faithfulness. To Jesus, that's what it's really about. The ABCs just house these things. Discipleship, make disciples. That's our commission from Jesus, to be Christ's followers. In our homes, we would do home discipleship of our families. Then among the men and the women and the children, within the small groups, Uh, the relational communities, and on and on throughout the church. This is the highest vision. This is what's most important to God's heart as we speak in terms of vision and setting goals. So our biggest vision and goals are right here. Likewise, evangelism, making disciples. Tell people, plant gospel seeds, proclaim the good news, the best news in the universe. This is how we need to live our lives. To be all in for Jesus is making him known And then faithfulness, living holy lives, obeying everything that he has told us to do faithfully, growing in our faith in him, growing in our maturity in Christ together. And so last week, our focus was on church vision for 2023. And if you missed last Sunday, go back and look or watch or look at the handouts in the bulletin, some of our key documents as we go forward into the future that God has for us. Today, is being our focus is on being all in for Jesus in our personal lives. And part of the recipe for success in that is setting personal goals and personal stewardship of all that God has entrusted to us. So get get your bulletins if you didn't yet. I know Chris always passes those out. So raise your hand if you did not get a bulletin because there's something important in your sermon notes and on the backside of your sermon notes. So raise your hand today, and he'll put one in your hands. Get those ready. Even if you don't like to write sermon notes, I get it. Uh, But have one of those so you can follow along with what we're doing. One comment on the comment cards uh, from last week was this. Somebody wrote, I'm so excited for Vision 2023 and so thankful to belong to this amazing Christ-centered body. If you feel that way about Community Grace... I want to encourage you, you know, I've been looking at Facebook and Google, and we haven't had a, a review of this church for like a year. So if you feel that way about Community Grace, would you go ahead and leave a review on Facebook and Google? That's just an extra request here as we talk about vision for the church. We saw last week that God gave our church a mission and a vision, and those statements are on the top of your notes. Though that mission is how, what, why we exist, and the vision is what it looks like as we grow and obey it. This is what's going to cause our growth. Today we focus on our personal goals and stewardship that will cause your growth as a Christ follower. So what is a goal? We've been throwing this term around. Let's make sure we know what it is. A goal is the object of a a person's ambition. It's an aim or desired result. Goals help put vision into action and they help us be accountable, and they help us know where we're going and exactly what to do and how to evaluate if we're we're getting there. We think through our plan, how to be the best person that Jesus wants to be. And we set goals, and I'm gonna make a defense for that, because if you drift through life, chances are you're gonna drift down. So we can't drift through life. That's not what God wants. We can't let other people run our life. That's not what what God wants. You can't stay where you are because God's mission and vision is for us to grow. And now I've grown personally to love the biblical practice of of setting goals for life. And and I'm going to preach about them at least once a year because it's a discipline how effective they are in our growth as Christians. But also how much they have affected my life over the last 20 plus years in every area of life, and so I'm pleased to, to pass on God's design for planning and goal setting and looking into the future. So to start our new year all in for Jesus, 2023, today we're going to do what God says, and, and we're going to look in two different directions according to God's word, what Doug just read from Philippians 3, that is to deal with our past and then direct our future. So, with your Bibles open to Philippians 3, let's dive into his word today and go in those two directions. First, we're going to deal with our past. This is an important spiritual discipline for all believers to get good at. Deal with our past. Let me read out those three verses again from Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul writes, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. So Paul lived by goals in his way. Following Jesus' example, he had purpose, he knew where he was going, he was not just coasting through life, that is for sure. Again, when we coast, it's always downhill, and we waste opportunities, because life is so busy and chaotic, it just passes us by, and we haven't identified what's most important and how to get there. So this is a spiritual discipline. And Paul says, step one, it all starts with looking at the past and forgetting it, forgetting it. Deal with your past by God's design, by God's word, and by God's power that he's given us, we can deal with our past. Let's look how. Go back to verse 13 again. He says, I do not consider that I have made it. That is the goal of ultimate uh, Christ-like maturity. Has anybody become perfect like Christ yet? Okay. Neither had Paul. But he says, one thing I do, and here's the design. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind means letting go of the past. Listen to God's character. He is a God of the future, not the past, because he's redeemed the past. He's paid for the past. So step one this year, and Paul gets this, and we all need to as well. Step one this year is we have to get our eyes off of the rearview mirror. All right, here I have a rearview mirror. If you're co- driving through life with your eyes consistently on the rearview mirror looking in your past, is that healthy for you? Is it safe for you and all the people around you as you go forward? Yes or no? Uh, no, that would, be, that would be bad. This is a perfect picture for how we live our lives sometimes. We're stuck in the past, looking in the past. Again, that's, that's something that God has already rescued you from. Let me tell you a little bit more about that. For some of us, that means we've got to stop trusting in my own abilities and accomplishments that I made in the past, trusting in those, and living in my memories of the past. You might be living in the past. Here's a football illustration for that for some of you out here. I'll give you a minute. How many people love the Cowboys? Sorry, man. I have to apologize for that. But that has become the preeminent joke in the National Football League, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they live in the past. They've had a great past, but it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. I'm not a Cowboys fan. Okay. <laughs> Stop living in the past. Even, the, even your successes and accomplishments, sometimes we rely on those. And that's not helpful going into the future. But for some of you, that also means, for some of us, because I have to deal with this as well, um, we cling on to, to the disappointments and failures of the past or pains of the past, regrets from the past. Maybe you wounded your children or abandoned your children even. Maybe you gave away your virginity or committed some crime. Or maybe you've lived a lie for years. It's time to forget that. It's time to let that go. It's time to move on. If you've ever thought now that God can't possibly save you, that's terrible. Or that God can't ever use you or forgive you in the past. Those are lies from the devil himself. Open your Bible. God says over and over and over, I've forgiven the past. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. Washed white as snow. We're new creations on a new future. With God, it's all about the future. Jesus already died and rose again to make it so. So, no one go back to the bondage of the past. This is the instruction that Paul is giving here. Is anybody happy with that truth, by the way? Is anybody happy about that? I mean, we of of Christians, Christians of all people, are the most suited to be happy for this reason. It's gone, and we have a bright future to look forward to. We have hope in a God who makes great finishes out of bad starts. That is assuring. That is our God. Welcome to the hospital, friends. Here we are at church together. And in a hospital, you're guided how to get well. And we're in recovery together in faith in the power of Jesus. That's how to deal with your past. Now, if you need help, get help. If you need prayer, get prayer. But believe in God's Word. And now we can direct our future direct your future is point number 2. And that's what Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, and he says it even with a big exclamation point here, I press I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so goals are part of God's plan. But you might be saying thinking to yourself, I'm not much of a goal setter, or maybe I've never heard of this setting goals are part of God's plan so let's understand why as we look to God's word and that's the first point under that under Roman numeral two is the question why goals why why bother being intentional making a plan for my life setting goals for my life I can make lots of practical arguments lots the better let's look at the Bible Biblical reasons. Number one, because God created us in his own image. And he is a God of plans, of structure, of goals. Let's just look at a couple things. I, I was looking at scriptures. There's, there are a lot of them that you typically go to to see God's created order and his planning, both eternal planning and intimate planning for our lives and for his nation and for his church. But I, want to, I just want to start with a verse that our missionary guest, Ralph Justiniano, opened the year off with two weeks ago on January 1st. His first text that he took us to, I just loved it. Isaiah 40, verse 26. We see God's character in the vast universe is planning. Look what he does. Isaiah encourages us here to look up into the heavens. And remember, there are hundreds of billions of galaxies in the sky. And look what it says. Who created all the stars? And look at his character. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. And because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. The whole creation, and we could go on and on, it just screams and demonstrates and puts on display God's vision and purposes and planning and his goals, And then Jesus is God in the flesh, and he comes and walks on the earth and shows us tangibly everything about God's character, and he sets goals. He's constantly telling people where I'm going, what I'm going to accomplish, what I'm going to do, step by step. He says, I'm going to do this now, then I'm going to do that now, and then I'm going to do this now for this purpose. Luke 13, 32. We see, and and Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox, that's Herod, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and in the third day I finish my course. He knew what he was going to do every step of the way. And we are made in the image of God who sets plans and goals. Well, We could go on and on about that, but let's move on to number two. Why goals? That's because he encourages us to do the same. We are encouraged to plan and set goals. God wants you to be like him and to do these things. Isaiah 32 8, he says, But he who is noble plans noble things. That's how you become noble. You plan noble things. And on noble things, he stands. So we plan so that we can stand. Setting goals helps you do noble things, the best things for Jesus, his way. It's intentional, it's proactive, it's purposeful. That's the God we serve. So, why goals number three? Because it helps us grow. Our goals are the exercises that we use to develop endurance, faithfulness, and self-control. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Paul says he uses military and athletics, farming. He uses these metaphors so that we can all relate to how to live for Christ. He says here, "'Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize?' So run that you may obtain it. Now, what does it take to win first place in a major race? It takes a lot of discipline, a lot of planning, faithfulness, and self-control. It takes all these things. Look look what he says, verse 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Exercises self-control. This takes work. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable, how much better this is, the award of serving Christ. So I do not run aimlessly. Are we living aimlessly? I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. It is a discipline to stand up against this flesh that is very strong And always wants to take the path of least resistance. And that's not the path that Jesus has called us on. Our friend Pastor Jim Brown of Grace Community Church Goshen and creator of Fight Club says this about goals. And I love this. If you've ever done Fight Club, you've probably said this out loud before. Goals put deadlines to good intentions. Oh, I love that. We all have good intentions. Goals exist to put deadlines on those and get us on a path to doing these things. So, setting goals to review, one, it reflects God's character, two, it obeys him, and three, it helps us grow, and so that's what we do. That leads us to the next question, well, what goals? What goals should I set? Let's talk about that. If you haven't heard, we just our church just started a blog, it's called The CG Blog, and it's only got a couple posts on it. Uh, You can find it on our website or just type in the CG blog. And last Sunday, after last Sunday, I I put a recap of our vision series with our our sermon uh, with some important stuff on there and about um, our year ahead as a church and preparing for the annual business meeting next week, next Sunday night. Tomorrow on this blog, I'm going to post a recap from today. I'll include the 2023 goals of all of our elders and many of our staff members. That's going to be great to see, for you to see their personal goals. We're, we're all agreed that we're going to share those, and they provide you great examples to follow. So I'm not going to get too deep into this right now, uh, but what you'll see is that some have more goals than others. How many goals should you have? Well, that depends on, on where you are, in life. It should be a manageable number for you. There's an ancient Chinese proverb that says, man who chases two rabbits catches neither. Get that? That means you can be overwhelmed. You can do, try to be too many things in too many places. We want to make sure we're manageable and constructive and include times of rest and worship, all these things. So what kind of goals do we need to set? I'm going to to suggest that you set specific goals for your life in five categories. And if you take your sermon notes and turn them over, you've probably done that already, you'll see the five categories here. Let me walk you through this this exercise right now. And hopefully you'll see the value and and get started if you've never done anything like this before or take it to the next level if you have. You see at the very top that the best goals are smart goals. Goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. A goal, if you set a goal, I'm going to be better at praying this year. Is that a good goal, according to that formula? Uh, no, because there's no way to measure it. There's no time. There's no way to, to report on that or be held accountable or to even know if you've achieved anything. So let's look at the categories and the best types of goals. Start by writing your name on there. They say a goal is not a goal unless it's written down. That's why, that's why you have paper and pens in front of you. If you just think it, it's very likely never going to happen. So go ahead, write it down, and on this first blank at the top, write the word will. I will. Okay, goal is not a covenant. God will not punish you if you don't hit your goals, but this is an attitude of of hope, of optimism, of, of planning, of intentionality. I will. Let's have that frame of mind right at the outset. And now the five categories of life that we're talking about all our lives. We're we're being good stewards of everything that God has given us. Everything. We're holistic people. I want to start with spiritual goals, though, because we're talking about a relationship with God, our Creator, Father, Savior, Redeemer. Set spiritual goals for your life by all means, please. And you see on the screen here, directing your future means making a spiritual growth plan for 2023. This is what we're doing. We're taking what God's given us and figuring out how to maximize it for his glory. I put Bible reading first because Bible intake, intake intaking God's word, this is the primary way that God has ordained to speak into our lives. Everything he wants us to know about who he is, who we are, our purpose, where we're going, the hope that we have, and all the instructions that we have, and the eternity waiting for us, it's all in here, packed in lots of different genres that we read and study. And you can, you'll never understand all of it. Uh, that, I think that's why we have eternity, to keep studying it. But it's your, it's your spiritual food. It's how God speaks to you. It's how God allows you to overcome temptation. It's how God allows you to know his will for your life. How to be healed how to know God, how to witness, everything. And God says, the more of his word in your mind, the more he changes your life. Romans 12. I'm on my 17th time reading the Bible uh, through, and my dad was my inspiration on that. He's read it uh, a lot more times than that, just because he set a goal many years ago when he was a young man, I'm going to read the Bible every year. And consequently, he knows the word very well, and I'm trying to as well because I want to be led by God, and because I've set goals. That's, that's been a goal of mine for a long time. I have a time and a place, and if you want to write that in your notes, I didn't put that on your notes, but this is key to be consistent in this and anything else, to have a time and a place to pray, to read the Bible, to do anything really that you want to be consistent at. For me, I read the Bible and I pray on my couch every morning and and my time and a place is left side of my couch, finished before 7 o'clock in the morning. Because after that, the kids are in, and, and uh, the distractions of the day begin. And that's been successful. So what's your time and place? Our oldest daughters have finished the Bible between one and three times already. Why? Because it's been established as a goal in our household. That's it. And a requirement. You know, it's part of their morning four uh, to read the Bible. And it ha- It works. So there are Bible reading apps, there are Bible reading plans that are downloadable on our website, on the church's website, on the resources page. You can go there and find a variety of those. Or you can pick up a certain Bible to read. You might do the archaeological Bible, you know, that's pretty cool, or the the men's Bible, or the women's Bible, life application Bible. This year, Sarah and I are reading the chronological study Bible, and it's been fantastic. I've loved it. And what you do if you pick out a Bible to read, if you want to read it in a year, that's a good goal. Uh, you see how many pages are in it. In this one, I, wrote, I did the math. It's 1,449 pages divided by 365 days in a year. And I'll get through it in a year if we read four pages a day. And we try to read the notes and everything like that. And it's going to take probably 14 months this time. There's a lot of notes. And that's fine. That's fine. When I finish this Bible, I'll, I'll find another plan or another Bible to read next. And, oh, this is, this is key to our growth. I mean, you, it just unlocks everything in life uh, when you're spending time in the Word. And then in prayer, set a certain number of minutes per day or prayer meetings to attend or prayer with your wife or prayer for your kids. There's all kinds of ways to set prayer goals. And on those examples from the staff and elders, you'll see lots of really neat ideas that you can just pull from. Church attendance goals, you've got to be in fellowship. A church community. I will join a small group or a class. You've got to be in that community, in that relationship, some kind of discipleship. Regarding small groups, they kick off next week. Here's a little picture from the ladies of the Regeer small group doing a service project, making boxes for needy people over the holidays. That was really neat. And it makes me wonder, what are all the projects and neat things that all of our small groups will do in the winter, spring semester? Uh, if you want to sign up for a, for a group, if you're not in one, I strongly encourage you, obviously. This is... This is being a Christian, to be in fellowship with people. Uh, and that's our key mechanism for that. On the end of the rows, there are blue small group sign-up sheets right now. You can pass those down right now, or you can just go seek that out. If you're not in a group, go ahead and sign up, and you'll be contacted right away. Okay, giving, we'll come back to as you're scanning those, that list of goals there. Let's go to family, number two. Here's some ideas. Pray with or for a certain number of times a week. Uh, with your family members share something spiritual with your adult children every week those things are just home runs and if you write them down you'll do that and you can just see the value of being consistent with those kind of things or my favorite take my wife sarah on a date every month you know how fast a month goes by so if i didn't have that goal i mean months would go by already with that goal it's usually about six weeks sorry sarah I'm working on it, but we love that one. There are a lot of brand new resources at the Resource Center for setting for all kinds of um, for spiritual reading and work, and then family discipleship uh, at, at our Resource Center. I don't know. Stop by it sometime, and you'll see a lot of new titles. And here's a picture of the the rotating library. I want to thank so much Jan Salzgiver and Tammy Boggs for putting this together. Uh, on this library, you can check out our resources rather than purchase them. Just follow the instructions, and that is great. We want to source you for all of these things. Neat titles. Thank you, Heather for, for, and Sean, for developing things for our, our children as well. Really great stuff. Personal. Set personal goals. This can certainly include nutrition and exercise. You know, a lot of our aches and pains are caused by the unhealthy American lifestyle, and, uh, and we do. We need to uh, get up off the sedentary lifestyle of my office chair, and, uh, and get, get that body moving. Be careful of the processed foods and massive amounts of refined sugar that are killers. They are, and we need to be good stewards. God says we certainly instructs for us to care for our bodies. So make those kind of goals, and anything else you want to develop in your personal life, set the goals, and you'll be amazed as you review them and set a plan for them. This is living God's way. Ministry goals. Again, you'll see a lot of examples on the, on the blog post tomorrow. Professional goals. We talked about last week, our work is worship. I'm going to be the best I can and glorify God in my professional life as well. And you can list some of those for your professional development. Once you've written your goals, try to do that this week. Happily share them with somebody. Your spouse, your friend your discipleship group, your small group, publicly, post them, uh, whatever, and you'll be amazed at how God directs your life as you press on for him. And then finally for today, there's there's an area that people are very interested in setting goals for, at least you should be, and that's the area of finances and stewardship of what God has entrusted to you. And as Christians of all, we should be most interested in financial planning and stewardship planning because what we do with our money and possessions impacts our life here. It impacts the gospel, and it impacts eternity. Let's see what God says about that. Again, once or twice a year, we'll focus on on this topic because of its significance to to who we are as worshipers, to the mission that, that Jesus gave us that we're on together, and the health of our church. They say, God is not in the business of raising money. He's in the business of raising Christians, Christ followers, generous people. And every time we give, we give away some of our selfishness and we contribute to God's work and grow in him. So let me ask you some questions. And you can just answer these in your own mind about where you are in life right now. Would you say that your finances are in perfect order? Do you have a budget and a plan for every dollar? Do you have debt and a plan to get out of it? The Bible says a lot about debt. Do you have stress or peace about finances? With inflation having gone up, there's a lot of stress about finances. We can have peace with our finances last question are you giving with christ-like generosity so jesus talked about money all the time money and possessions and he talked about it so much because they're so important listen to what he says in luke 16 11. he says therefore if you have not been faithful see that word faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth who will entrust the true riches to you in the words of jesus In other words, there's a connection with what we do with our money and possessions and then what God will entrust to us further. There's a connection there. He wants your heart. Think about the true riches in life. That's making a difference with your life, an impact for Jesus, growing spiritually, investing in people, growing the work of his church and its mission. Our testimony to the world of God's character to our character, to our legacy that we leave, to the eternity that we enter, all those things. And Jesus says here, there's a direct correlation between them. Only if you correctly, faithfully manage the resources that I gave you, he says, will I entrust these greater things to you. So there's a, a symbiotic relationship there. Further, this principle is true here, and this is something that is nice to have, and that's peace. To experience financial peace... I must adopt God's priorities. Well, what are those? If you remember just a few, several weeks ago, and through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus touched on this multiple times. Here's one where he said, Matthew 6, 33 and 34, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So he's talking about the basic needs and necessities of our lives. So don't need to worry about those. Don't need to fixate on those. Seek first God's kingdom and his priorities and his righteousness. Therefore, verse 34, do not be anxious. That is peace. We can have total peace, total peace. How? Well, Jesus says, put me first, and it tends to work out well. He will take care of you. Your basic needs will be cared for. Great things will happen with this kingdom. And that's because when our priorities are in the right place, We don't make foolish, sinful mistakes, self-centered mistakes. We have his righteousness. Now let's put some details onto that that spiritual dynamic here. Here's the clearest way to set financial stewardship goals with your life. It's called the 70% principle of lasting wealth. I first heard about this through Financial Peace University, but it's been around for a long time. And here it is, the 70% principle you do, Three things with the first 10% of your income. The first 10% goes to God. He says in Proverbs 3, bring the first fruits to me. In Malachi 3.10, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and see see what God does here. That there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I love this. This is the only thing that God says in in his word to test him on. He only says it one time. Right here, give. Give to my work and test this. His faithfulness, But giving the first fruits, our priority to him and his work. And then watch me maximize the other 90% and bring your life into more financial peace. See that see if it does, test them see if it doesn't bring your your life financial peace. Now, we do not agree with prosperity gospel teachers, and we have to differentiate this because the prosperity gospel has gotten huge coming out of America, but now it's all around the globe. It's this very enticing promise or teaching One one prosperity gospel even went as far as to say God Jesus suffered and bled on the cross to give us financial prosperity. I mean, these guys are they're out of control. But even in a more subtle case, there's this sense that you give so that God will give you more money, so that He will heal you and give you power. And that's heresy. But we have to navigate as we interpret the Bible, because God does bless, promise that he will bless our obedience, but by his way, okay, which might be financial success in your business, but it might be a richer heart with more influence. Could be all kinds of things. It could be now, it could be later, it could be an eternity. That's the teaching of the word of God. Regardless, we want his blessing more more than anything we could create. But I have heard countless testimonies, just so many, they're countless, of I started giving faithfully to the church, I started, started tithing, or whatever the gift it was, and God blessed. I mean, I, I think of, I have my own stories too, and maybe you do too, I haven't asked this question, but if you have one, uh, please share it, these are, these are fun to share with one another. Um, well, my parents, one time, they gave uh, to the church and they didn't have any money left. They needed nine cents, this is my oldest sister. Uh, they needed nine cents for a jar of baby food. They were out of food for her. So they, they prayed and they searched all the couch cushions and what did they find? Exactly nine cents. And they walked over and uh, bought a jar of baby food that lasted until the payday, well, I, I assume was the next day or probably very soon. Another one of my friends, very similar story. And again, you probably have these stories too. He said, "Do I pay this bill, or do I, do I give this money to the church? So I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to test God. I'm going to believe in this." And he gave. And there, uh, the next day a, a bill was due, and a check comes in the mail from some debt that somebody owed him years before, and it was the exact to the penny of uh, what this bill uh, he owed. And you hear these stories, and every single time you do, it's somebody who's just thrilled what God is doing in their lives and how they get a front row view of a life obeying God's word. I'm just passing on what God does. And I want you to apply this today. I I want you to experience this today. So I'm going to encourage you to take this application, to take the four-month tithe challenge. That is to give 10% of your income for the next four months and see what God does. And I say four months, will you do this? Let's test, go ahead and test God. So that's God's word. I wouldn't say that about anything else, but here he says, go ahead and test him. So I say four months because it usually takes that long to figure things out, how to pay off debt, what's, what's a plan, learning not to depend on a credit card, and to just pray, Lord, I, I want to obey you and know that you will bless it. Please help me. And he will. And it helps when your church is on your side and transparent and faithful, and on Jesus' mission with big vision. So the second 10% in good stewardship goes to debt. Over and over and over, God says, stay out of debt. There is good debt if you can take a mortgage or a business loan. We don't want to get into those weeds right now. But generally, uh, someone who owes something is slave to the lender, and that's not a place God wants us to be. So to get out of debt is an urgent need, and so that's a goal. We need to set goals for that. And then the wisdom of an emergency fund in case anything goes wrong. Uh, Build that up. It takes time and it takes discipline and it takes help. And so that's what we're here for. The third 10% goes to savings and investing, also biblical principles. And the Bible teaches this in Proverbs 13, 22, for example, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's leaving a legacy, uh, equating that with a good principle. Okay. Obedience to God becomes extraordinarily exciting in these and all ways. It takes some time, some effort. That's why we're here. And that's the key to learning. The key to that principle is then learning how to live on the other 70%. And that might stress you out to think about right now. But continue to test it and work towards it and see what God does with that 70%. If you're thinking, I don't think I can do that, I don't know where to start, that's where Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University comes in, and we're kicking that off again. I love uh, that this church, I come into this church, and Scott and Ann Schramm and others have led this this class um, for a lot of years, and we'll do it every year, maybe sometimes twice. And so Scott, up there in the booth, thank you again for leading that, and not just leading it, but excitedly leading it. You'll see that on the small group sign-up sheet, that's, that's one of the opportunities to connect. Uh, and if this is something that you need to do, do it. Having completed it with my wife twice, it has changed our family trajectory and outlook, and uh, I can't strongly recommend that enough to you right now. But in fact, I'm gonna let Dave Ramsey do that. He's got a 45 second promo video. It's good to see the man himself and his team tell you why you should take Financial Peace University. Let's watch this real quick. I wanted to show that because uh, have, having taken it twice, I, this is how I say it. It's the most fun you'll ever have getting your, 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 getting your butt kicked, Sorry. <laughs> all right. sorry. He is so good at motivating you, telling you what to do that you should have already been doing and then, and then lovingly guiding you through all the steps. So the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. The love of money is the root of all evil, but being good stewards with your money is all kinds of godliness, Christ-likeness. Let's do it. Um, today. You can sign up again on your communication card or on the slip. So as we look back at everything we've covered today, the best 2023 that we possibly could have comes down to this, to being all in for Jesus because he went all in for you. Let's do this together. Let's embark on this year, make it a great year, one of the best ever. I hope you're ready for that. Let's pray.